Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. And welcome to our party. It's a Monday morning with Keyshawn Johnson, Jay Williams, and Zubin Mahenti. It's Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance, where all of our guests will join us on the Shell Pennzoil performance line, including former tennis superstar James Blake at 9.30 a.m. Eastern. The U.S. Open begins on ESPN at noon Eastern. Serve and volley for Key. Jay, no return? What's going on here? I just can't. All of his um his mannerisms sometimes when you do it. What was it? Show us the golf swing. The golf swing was yeah, it was it was like a little flip of the wrist. It was like a <laughs> Well, I'm in a small space, so I can't, you know. Yeah. Give the real swing. Kinda, well, we learned uh, Key might be picking up some golf after I mentioned that this week's winner of the tour championships is gonna win home a cool fifteen million key just that, to is, win this event. Is that the biggest is that the, the biggest, biggest so far, yes, right? The biggest person. Yeah. It used to be ten million, it got so popular that Jeez. it's up to fifteen. Million. If it's going to be anything like the BMW was, yeah. then I'm going to be strapped in all weekend for it. We're going to talk about the BMW championship and some of the great shocking making that was there in just a minute. But speaking of million, I mean, like right now, who's feeling more like a million bucks? Luka Doncic after getting eliminated, but having that great playoff run or the Denver Nuggets, Jamal Murray, whose playoff run is continuing. Jay, they force a game seven tomorrow night against the Jazz. Murray scores 50 it seems like it was Jokic's team. Now it's Murray's team. But if you're Mike Malone, take a listen to this. This is the Nuggets head coach, and he went there comparing Murray in a way to listen to this. Yeah, I mean, what, what Jamal's done the last three games is, is unbelievable. You know, I've been blessed to have been around some great players uh, in this game, LeBron, uh, CP, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. But I've never seen a guy go 50, 42, and 50. And, and two of those games being elimination games. So talk about a young man putting a team on his back and that will to win, to do whatever is necessary to find a way to get the win is tremendous. And to do it after this, you know, we hadn't played since Tuesday. And to do it with everything that's taken place in the last three, four days, all the emotions, all the raw emotion, makes it that much more impressive. So uh, I, I'm running out of things and superlatives for Jamal Murray. I just want to say I'm proud of him. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with him Some saying that. Be- Curry, because, LeBron? Yeah, because think about, like you said, elimination games, everything that's is heavy, weighing on the backs, and he's going out there and he's still cooking. And and you think about those guys in those magical moments, they always deliver. They, they're not. He's not saying championship. He's just saying in those moments yeah. that this is the type of player that we see. Last NBA player to have three consecutive 40-plus point games in the playoffs – Michael Jordan. Wow. Michael Jordan. So if that just puts it into perspective for you about to what degree Jamal Murray is playing, you know, and somebody was asking this question before about, you know, is is it is it set in stone that Jamal Murray is the the Robin to Nikola Jokic? I would flip it around. You know, in today's league, right, you have to have a league guard. Think about people who won championships, Stephen Curry, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James. We've talked about this not being a league that is conducive for traditional bigs. Now, I'm not saying that Jokic is a traditional big because he can pass, he can shoot, great hands, love the mobility around you know, being on the blocks. But Jamal Murray is the one that's going to lead this team, averaging 47 points per game in these last three playoff games. He is the Batman. He is the Superman on this team. And you said traditional big. He's still a big, though, although – he can do some things on the perimeter when allowed to do it. He's still a big in this league, like Jay is saying, is is guard heavy. It's it's guard heavy. That's what it is. And you know, you get it every now and then. You get an AD type dude that can knock down threes, but mm-hmm. 
I'm sure the Lakers at times would prefer to have him down low because his game down there is wicked as well. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. This is just one point I wanted to make about the Nuggets. This is a team that historically has had a really difficult time attracting free agents. It's just not a great destination point. But think about for NBA players. But think about this. Tim Connolly, their general manager, has drafted Jokic. Mm-hmm. He's drafted Jamal Murray. Jay, he's drafted Michael Porter Jr., who I think is one of the breakout stars that people aren't talking about because you got to ease him in after the back injury. They drafted Bol Bol, who could turn out to be a great player. Key, you know this. Everybody wants to play for every L.A. team, and everybody wants to play in New York. But if you're an organization like Denver or Portland or Utah, it's just so apropos that Denver and Utah are in this Game 7. Both of those organizations have done an amazing job. Now, can you keep Spider Mitchell? We'll see. But they want to keep Jokic. Murray's been great. What do you make of the fact that this is an organization that they've got to draft and develop because the free agency route just isn't there for them? Well, I think, it. you know, when you win and you win and you show promise, you can attract free agents. It's not a small city. I mean, it, it has enough attraction to where people would look at it and say, okay, but traditionally when you're not winning Mm -hmm. nobody wants to come but the fact that you're in the hunt you're in the playoffs maybe you make it to the semifinals or something along those lines now people start to say okay I got this player there I got uh, uh, Joker's there Murray's there hmm or or Mitchell's there I may want to go to to Utah because of that you you have to have something for to attract people you can't just be a city and think that people just going to come there just because it's not that type of city. Well, there's only three, four cities actually have that power, right? I mean, New York, L.A., Chicago, maybe Miami. So everybody else has to do it through the draft. Look at what the Boston Celtics have done through the draft. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. They or moved, trades. Or trades. They, you know, stockpile. I mean, they actually have a lot of picks that they still stockpiled on. Let me go back to, I think it was a 2016 draft, right, where Ben Simmons went number one. To Philly, Brandon Ingram went number two to the Lakers. Jalen Brown went number three to Boston. Then Dragon Bender, then Chris Dunn, then Buddy Hield, mm. then Jamal Murray. Wow. Then Jamal Murray. So Jamal that, Murray went seventh yeah. to Denver. So think about the eye for talent, saying that. Oh, okay. Like I wonder, like waiting for that draft pick and getting him out of Kentucky. I remember watching him at Kentucky. He was a good player. He had potential. But you didn't know he was going to be doing stuff like this. Mm-hmm. So giving Denver credit where credit is due. It's so basketball draft is so different than football draft because you can draft for for position need in the NFL, right? You you say, well, I need a receiver. You can find one of those guys in basketball. There's only so many guards on a team. It's like we don't want to be guard heavy, so we we only carrying five guards, and then this is what we need. So you pass on. You see guys passed on a lot in basketball because the team may have three or four wings. They don't need another wing. So therefore they going to pass on that guy who turns out to be an excellent wing player. And then all of a sudden they grab a point guard and people sit there and go, well, like the Celtics friends, I mean, not the Celtics, the Sixers took uh, Markel Fultz at the beginning, at the top of the draft at number one. Did they really need another guard when they already had Ben Simmons and, but they took him. And then they get rid of him. So when I look at the NBA draft, it's like they seem like they miss a lot of players that turn out to be really good Well, I think at the mi- top of the draft. They're always misses. But I would say, you know, also for this Denver team, people at home don't get a chance to watch them because they're on late usually when they play on the West Coast. They've done it by volume, right? They're, they're a really 
deep. When you think about all the guards they have on this team, from Will Barton to Gary Harris, yeah. he's been out to Michael Porter Jr., uh, Monte Morris, Jeremy Grant. They have a lot of guys, right? So uh, they were like, hey, we're going to do it by committee instead of doing it by having a superstar. And what we're watching right now is they found a gem in the rough. And they found a guy that's becoming a superstar on the biggest stage. One of their biggest problems, though, is that they're they're going to be in the West for a while. They ain't going nowhere, right? right. They're going to be there. <laughs> they are the Lakers the, are going to be there. The right. Clippers are going to be there. Warriors we, we, the Warriors are going to be back. We, we have no idea what they're going to do with that Houston. number two pick. Houston's hanging around. You know, OKC's going to figure out what to do. So when you start to look at that, you got to go, hmm. And I'm sure the Pelicans at some point, they're right. going to turn out to be something when Zion gets healthy and that young group that they have down there. And the other young superstar in the West we got to talk about. Last week, there was a big story about Lionel Messi. <laughs> yeah, Dallas, mm-hmm. right? And that's who we're going to talk about here right now. Um, 20 years ago, Lionel Messi was growing up in Argentina. Barcelona went down to look at him at the age of 13. And then when they saw him, they said, whoa. They signed him to a contract key in Jay on a napkin 20 years ago. And now he's going to break apart after 20 years of Barcelona. At the age of 13, Messi was a legend. At the age of 13... So was Luka Doncic. Donnie Nelson, the guy that runs the Dallas Mavericks, Don Nelson's son, came down, great international scout. They saw him and have been scouting him just since he became a teenager. Just for purposes of context, Luka's now 21 years old and has been playing against men in Europe and now men in the NBA. Rick Carlisle says, despite a great year for Luka, everything that he has done next year will be even better. He's one of the toughest players that I've ever seen in this league, and that goes back 35, 36 years. Um, He's uh, a great young player that is getting better each year. I mean, he's rookie of the year last year, and this year he's up for most improved. I mean, you know, I'd like to know if that's ever happened uh, before. And so I expect that, you know, he'll come back next year um, even better, you know, with with something new in his game, the same way that Bird and Magic and and Jordan um, and all those great players um, did every summer. It's a great question. We'll have to get the research department on it. We'll try to come up with an answer. Switching gears, Keyshawn J. Wills, you've been brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. Switching gears with regards to basketball, but going from the pro game to the college game, we are sad to report that John Thompson Jr., a titan of college basketball, has passed away at the age of 78 he won 596 games. Jay, he coached Georgetown, who you have an affinity for. We'll talk about that in just one moment from 1972 to 1999. And perhaps the most important thing he did, he became the first African-American head coach to win the men's basketball championship, doing it in 1984. He had Patrick Ewing as his best player. Ewing is now Georgetown's coach. He was eventually succeeded by Craig Escherich. And then John Thompson the third, John Thompson Jr.'s son, took over. A giant has been lost. John Thompson was 78 years old, a barrier breaker for all African-Americans, 596 wins. He would have turned 79 next month. And Jay, everybody forever and a day will associate you with Duke University. But there is a tie into Georgetown you were telling us this morning that I would love if you shared with the viewers and the listeners. I mean, I just had to turn my mic off for a second because I take a really deep breath. It just feels like it's one punch after another. It really does. Um, you know, my, my dad is one of 10 and I know he's listening right now. We got a chance to spend some time together this weekend. It's been a long time since he spent time with his granddaughter, my, my child, Amelia. And, uh, you know, my dad's, uh, comes from Fort Lauderdale. 
And uh, it's always been about how do you do more to empower the community? And one of the examples that he's always spoken to me about since I've been a little boy, and I grew up in New Jersey, Big East basketball, seeing Big East basketball was John Thompson. And if you would ask me when I was 13, 14 years old, I was going to play for Georgetown. There was, there was no question about it. Um, and to actually get recruited by Georgetown and have conversations with John Thompson. And one of the things that, uh, you know, Key, you and I always talk about the, the car salesman strategy that sometimes coaches end up doing when they try to, you know, procure you as an athlete. I'll never forget my dad and I were on the phone with John Thompson. And he said to my dad, my dad's name is David, which is my middle name. He said, David... I'm not going to be here at Georgetown after this year. Craig Escher will be the next head coach. I just want you to know that. That kind of altered the path for me. But it was ultimately the candor of John Thompson, which at that moment I remember looking at my dad and saying, I get it. Like that respect for what he did for kids like Allen Iverson, Alonzo Mourning, Patrick Ewing. Mm -hmm. He fought for kids who didn't have the same opportunity to get them into established universities like Georgetown. He combated so much racism. I mean, some of the stories you would hear about Zoe and Patrick, you know, having bananas thrown at them before in games and being called all these different crazy names and Prop 48 and Proposition 42 and boycotting a game. I think it was versus Pittsburgh uh, back in the day. He just stood for what was right. And every coach I've spoke to, Coach K, Bill Self, John Calipari, they all just raved about, JT, it just it feels like it's one punch after another. You know, having obviously been a football player in in out west, but growing up, mm-hmm. um, Georgetown was it in basketball. It wasn't UCLA, right? That that was our West Coast school for the for championships, but it was about Georgetown. And, and when people talk about pop culture, mm-hmm. it was almost like pop culture was way back then with the Georgetown Hoyas. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just. You know, I could just remember. I don't. I remember the championship when they had Michael Graham. Remember the ball head dude, Michael Graham. Yeah. They had the, they, they, obviously Patrick um, uh, uh, Williams was there. It was crazy. Reggie Williams was there. It was crazy. Hoya and, paranoia. Oh, it was yeah. man. Hoya it was like paranoia. Hoya, Hoya, Hoya. So when I finally had the opportunity to meet Coach Thompson, his it, just the whole voice, his deep voice was was shattering, but it was serious. It was like, I have to listen to what this man is saying. And, you know, and just being around and understanding, like Jay said, what he, what he did, not only for black coaches, but the Big East Conference as a whole. I mean, he was one of the first coaches to have a basketball shoe under contract. That's I mean, that was like... Now that was commonplace. It was like normal, but right. his deal, now it's normal. His deal... In the Big East Conference, I just remember that conference as a West Coast guy where you had the, the Syracuses, you know, I think Villanova, Temple, yeah. you know, uh, uh, St. Georgetown, St. St. John's. Those coaches as a whole was just something crazy, man. And it would come on CBS and I would sit there and watch it and look at him and just be like, man, he's larger than life coach. And to learn as time went on what he stood for. Mm was even more special. He just had such deep credibility. There's this great story about a guy named Rafael Edmond, who was a notorious D.C. drug dealer, kingpin mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. D.C. And there were, I think it was a story about Alonzo Mourning was at some establishment back in the day that I guess had been known for drug trafficking. And he was just there as a college hanging kid around. hanging yeah. around, right? And how John Thompson literally hunted Rafael Edmond down 
and nobody knows what was said, but essentially was like, you know, threatened him by if you continue, because Rayful will come to all the Georgetown games. I remember the story back in the day, come to all the Georgetown Mm -hmm. games. I mean, guys that would pass away in his gang, he would bury them in Georgetown uniforms, things of that sort. And JT was pretty much said, look, I do not want you around my players. So it wasn't just the credibility for things like Prop 48 and Prop 42, but he actually put his mouth to where the knee was in the streets with these kids. It wasn't just, you know, hey, me saying things to the public. It was him actually doing things behind closed doors and putting his life in jeopardy for the same kids he wanted to protect. And think about it, and Allen Iverson, AI, for a minute. AI had gotten into some trouble, was incarcerated. John Thompson worked his butt off to get him out right. to come and not only get him educated, but also to play bad, not just play basketball, but also to get him educated. Where a lot of coaches steered away from it, wouldn't even touch it. That's they would have quit. Point. They would have quit on him. Huge bowling alley brawl. Aberson's reputation could not have been worse at that moment, and John Thompson was there for him. John Thompson, the legendary Georgetown basketball coach, has died at the age of 78. He was the Hoyas head coach from 1972 to 1999. He took him to three Final Fours in the 1980s. He won the 1984 NCAA championship, the first African-American coach to win the men's basketball championship. His son eventually took over, John Thompson the third, and now his best player, easily of all time, Patrick Ewing, is Georgetown's coach. I want to mention this to you because I know this would affect both of you greatly. He spoke to Washingtonian Magazine, and they simply asked him, what did it mean for him to become the first African-American coach to win it? Now listen to these comments. This is John Thompson on that seminal achievement. The significance of knocking down the barrier is very important to me. Unfortunately, you sometimes don't have the right to fail when you're an African-American at that time. That's a right that should be awarded anybody who wants to reach a high-level goal. But once we won that game, it was like giving the good housekeeping seal of approval Hmm. to African-American coaches, a lot of them. Most of the guys were just assistant coaches. They were the guys that were there to bring the players into the schools, but they weren't allowed to run these teams, to coach these teams. They were always the number two. You got to go get me players, and I'll coach them. That whole mantra. He shattered all of it, Key. He no, shattered he the whole thing. And, and he did. He opened up a large number of doors. And he's absolutely right. And even to a degree, you still see it both in college basketball and college football where, you know, there's a, a small number of college basketball head coaches that are African-American as well as football coaches. But there's a ton of assistants that they're not allowing to get into the coordinating positions to be able to move up to head coaches. That's why, again, what we always talk about, you've got to have your people in place to be empowered, and he was in place to empower those that came behind him. In the room, right? In the room. room. I'll tell you guys this still, too. You know, I remember being a kid and be saying, oh, I, I can go to Georgetown? Yeah. Like, I can go, I can go to Georgetown. Like a prestigious academic university, and they get it, like they get culture. Like it was the first time I've ever seen that. Like I, I don't know, kid. They, I'm sure there were probably maybe examples before that, but for me, you know, being 39 years old, like seeing like, oh, okay, I can have swag, and then so go to this great academic university. I can do both and play basketball for a coach that that gets it and can help kids. Like I never, I never thought that was possible until I saw Georgetown Well, they tried to, you know, obviously they tried to turn and make Georgetown seem like it was a bad situation. They were like an outlier. Yeah, outlier. They was thugs and tried to create it that way, but he wouldn't allow that to happen. He Mm -hmm. just continued to go out there, recruit guys, turn, turn kids into men. And if you look back at some of his former players, I mean, come on, whether it's Patrick Ewing or or Zoe or, or, 
Matumbo or AI, some of the more famous ones, yeah. but they all reach back to Georgetown. You know, it's it's like some people go to schools for those three or four years and they never go back and associate themselves mm. with the university whatsoever. That's not the case with his guys. Great point, Key. And every time you saw Big John talk, he told you directly how it was. <laughs> he did. Like there was no sugarcoating around it, and he would say it to your face. And you, it, 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 it forced you to have voice. a moment with yourself every time with that voice, Key. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever had a person around you that says things directly to you where it just it cuts through all the BS and you're forced to acknowledge it. Keyshawn. Key, he's, yeah, he's the we guy. both say, right? <laughs> but like, no, point to me. <laughs> but like it, it forces you to address the issue with yourself. Right. Like, and I think that's very important. Like, you can't lollygag around and say, well, this had happened or that had happened. Like, with all these different excuses, you're forced to address the issue with yourself. And that's how Big John cut through all you the know, chatter. You know, one of my conversations with him when I was young here in New York playing football, and uh, we were, I forgot, we, we were at some event or something. And uh, he, we were just having a conversation. And one of the things that he was saying to me is, don't allow, he was talking about the media in New York to try and get me to be something that I wasn't stick to my guns, be who I am. Don't just fall because they want you to. And, and so that, that is always, you know, kind of stuck in your head when you have conversations, deep conversations like that with people like John Thompson, it's like, okay, I get it. Whether it's like George Raveling, mm-hmm. whether it's coach Cheney, like all these old heads that was like great college basketball coaches that you have the opportunity to meet and in clash with and have conversations with you always want to, try and take something away from that. It's a great point. George Raveling at USC and at Iowa and obviously John Chaney at Temple, legendary career for a couple of other African-American coaches and all those guys paved the way for the next generation. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance with all of our guests appearing on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. We've got some breaking news from the NFL that we're going to get to next. The Jacksonville Jaguars have released Leonard Fournette. What does it mean? Where could he be heading next? Much more on this breaking NFL news next at ESPN Radio on Sirius XM Channel 80. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Key, Fournette and the Jags. This seemed like this divorce was coming for quite some time. It's just a matter of when it was going to come. Apparently, the answer is this morning. Yeah, it, it's, it seems like to me the Jacksonville Jaguars are trying to hit the reset button as a whole in the organization. Um, you know, it, it 
lot would think that they're tanking for Trevor Lawrence or whatever the case may be. But Leonard Fournette hasn't really lived up to the billing in which they thought he would. And it's not all his fault. Uh, some is due to injury. Some is due to system and scheme. Uh, whatever team he goes to next, I'm sure he could be the dynamic runner that we saw in the past, both in the NFL and at LSU. Um, because I think he's a good football player. You just got to know how to use him and what he is. And, and Jacksonville can't get out of their own way, whether it's whether it's uh, Yannick, whether it's uh, Jalen Ramsey, now Fournette. I mean, it just it just goes on and on and on. They signed Nick Foles to a huge deal. A year later, they part ways with him because Minshew decided to have a few good games. I mean, it's just Jacksonville. Just, it, what can you say? The Jaguars. That's all you can really say. <laughs> we did a boardroom conversation with Jalen Ramsey, and he got pretty – uh, you know, intimate about he just wanted to get the hell out of Jacksonville. Wow, and that so was he, and, and, he was like, I'm trying to. He was the whole time. He's like, I was trying to get out of there. So yeah. it, we look for Leonard Fournette. Yeah, sometimes you know, blessings come in all different disguises. You know what I mean? So I, I think it's an opportunity for him. Obviously, leaving his team. You look at the production that he's had over the last couple of years. Three years, 36 regular season games played, scored fewer than 20 TDs. But like Key alluded to, a lot of that's due to coaching and scheme as well. You go back to the AFC Championship game in New England. That that team is completely different now. Like right? there's so many of those guys are gone, and you would think that that was the young core nucleus of that team where you would say, oh, okay, they're going to build and they're going to be around for a while. Tom Coughlin's out. I mean, it's just it. Yeah, they they're they're going to be one of those teams that may win three or four games this year, and that's pretty much it. Unbelievable point by Key, because it's worth bringing up that the Jacksonville Jaguars were in Foxborough in the AFC title game with a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter with the chance to go to the Super Bowl. Got scared. And they've never been the got same so, since. Got so tight, it's just they got scared. They, mm. got, they got scared. They wouldn't let Blake Bortles do anything. They wouldn't run the ball. They just got tight for whatever reason, and then they wind up, what was that, three years ago? Yeah. Was it three years? Three years ago, and then look at the organization today. Key question for you: If you're, if you're Leonard Fournette, if you have an opportunity to go to a team that you wanted to, where would you go? I don't know. I'll hold that thought after we speak to Jay Billis because we'll revisit this conversation again. No question. It's big NFL breaking news. And Jay Billis is here because there's big college basketball breaking news this morning. The death of John Thompson Jr. at the age of 78, the 1984 NCAA championship winner, the first African-American coach to take a team to the men's college basketball championship. His best player is now Georgetown's coach. His son, John Thompson III, eventually followed him as head coach as well with Craig Eshrick there in the middle. A giant for what he did for African-Americans and a giant with what he did in the game. Jay joins us on the Shell Pennzoil performance line this morning. Jay, good morning. Uh, For those that may be too young or don't understand the scope of what John Thompson Jr. meant to college basketball, how would you sum it up? He was a a giant in, in basketball, both literally and figuratively. And he did so much for the game, not only on the X and O side, and he he did a substantial amount there. You know, his Georgetown teams, uh, especially when you got to 1980, 79, 80, uh, through the early 90s, uh, they were a force and one of the best defensive coaches in the history of the game. His teams were very disciplined, uh, very smart, and very together. And that, that's why they were so great defensively. It wasn't just that, that they were athletic. Uh, they were smart and disciplined. Uh, and, you know, he almost went to the Final Four in 1980 uh, when Georgetown lost a, uh, a one-point game to Iowa. And that was Lute Olson's first Final Four. And Lute Olson passed away a little bit earlier uh, last week. Uh, but John Thompson, was a, he, he was also a, 
fought for social justice before it was it was cool, if you will. I think you'll remember back in the 80s, uh, there was a, a legislation by the NCAA called Proposition 42 that put in uh, entrance requirements, and they were disproportionately affecting African-Americans. And John Thompson, in a game, I believe it was against Boston College, uh, got up before the tip and walked off the floor in protest with a towel over his uh, shoulder, and, uh, and you know, he took a stand and took a stand on, on multiple issues. Uh, he was not always popular uh, because the things that he, he was, was saying at that time was really uncomfortable for, for people to hear. And you can imagine, I mean, if people are uncomfortable now, uh, think how it was back in the, uh, in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, when John Thompson was, was setting a standard and was standing up uh, on social issues. He, he was a, he was a, a great, uh, great person, a man of, of really high character, and, uh, you know, you don't want it to get lost, uh, what a great coach he was, uh, but he was also a, a great man. JB, uh, we're watching some footage of him right now with the white towel over the right shoulder. I mean, that's how I remember JT walking around. It's, he inspired so many kids. Um, I remember the first time actually seeing Georgetown basketball, me thinking like, oh, a, a kid like me can go to a university like that and, and, and play in a culture like that. You know, how important was it just the culture he built around the familia aspect of the family he established at Georgetown and the players? Well, he certainly, Jay, didn't sugarcoat anything with his players. He, he taught them that the world's not just black and white, it's green. And uh, I remember hearing a story. He used to have a, a deflated basketball in his office and would talk about, you know, when the air goes out of the ball, what are you going to have left? Like, what are you going to do? And, and he would show his shoe contract to his players and say, we're wearing this brand of shoes because they're paying me. <laughs> and said, this is the way the system works. And, and would, would you know, alert his players to, you know, this is the way it is. And you have to learn how the system works if you want to change it. Uh, and, you know, back then, you know, that was my era when, when Georgetown was dominant. I came out of high school in 1982, uh, when the, the year that Georgetown lost by a bucket to uh, to North Carolina and Michael Jordan, James Worthy, and that's when the Hoya paranoia thing started. And you know, Thompson would keep his team separate uh, and and wouldn't put them in an NCAA mandated hotel. They'd stay out of town, and you know, they do they do their media obligations, but nothing more. You know, it wasn't they, he wasn't looking to gain favor with the media. Uh, and, and he would, John Thompson, if you can believe this, was even accused back then of, of being racist because, uh, they, because Georgetown did not have a lot of white players. And, you know, just absurdities like that that he had to deal with. And he called them out. Uh, and because he was, he was big, a deep voice and intimidating, could be seen as intimidating, uh, he got criticized a lot. But without John Thompson, not only would Georgetown not be the, the, the name it is today in so many different ways, but I'm not sure the Big East w- would have been what it was without him. He was a, an extraordinary, extraordinary figure and an extraordinary coach. When you look at it, Jay, not just his basketball accomplishments, but him as a you know, larger-than-life father figure to many of the great Georgetown Hoya players, but also making sure from an academic standpoint that guys graduated. And I think that that gets lost in these situations with a guy like him has, who's been a trailblazer for so many African-American coaches, both in football and in basketball and kicking open doors. What do you think the next steps for Georgetown basketball in the future is going to be? 
Well, you know, they've got Patrick Ewing coaching there now, and Patrick is an outstanding coach. Uh, another guy who's, who's really smart, and, uh, and you can't even argue with his basketball credentials. They're fantastic. Uh, so I think Georgetown's in really good hands. I think it's just sort of the idea of going back to the future, that oftentimes people look backward and say, well, when, you know, kind of like USC football, frankly, they're, they're, you know, my, people my age would always talk about John McKay. When are we going to get back to that? You know, that kind of thing. Uh, when when JT3 took over, John Thompson's son. So when John Thompson retired, his assistant, Craig Eschrick, got the job. And they didn't, they didn't do as well. They went to NITs and all that. And it didn't work out. And so John Thompson III was hired. And he, JT3 was compared to his father's success all the time. And, and he won Big East championships and went to a Final Four. So it, it's difficult to measure up to, and that's sort of the, the, the challenge, I think, is can you get to a, a place where Georgetown fans believe they should be? Uh, you know, UCLA battled it for all these years, and, and uh, you know, USC football, you name it, Alabama. Uh, there was a long period of time where Alabama was not the Alabama of today, uh, where they were stuck in between Bear Bryant and Nick Saban. And, uh, uh, you know, dealing with fan expectations are difficult. Georgetown's certainly had a difficult time since John Thompson uh, retired. JB, you and I work college game day for a long time. I've always called you the czar of sports on the collegiate level. Um, what are your thoughts just on everything that's been happening, football, basketball, in a whole? You know, Jay, I, I think it's been great. Uh, it, it's, it, it's been called a reckoning, which I think is fair. Uh, I think a, a, a lot of, not only a lot of college sports, but a lot of America, uh, if not all of it, needs to, needs to look with open eyes and, and open minds and open hearts, not just as the way we wish things would be, but the way things are. And, you know, just going back to, to John Thompson uh, to make that point, when, when John Thompson and other coaches fought against Proposition 42 in the 80s, uh, one thing that was lost on people was that was probably 15 years, maybe maybe little, maybe 20 years, say 20 years after uh, college basketball was became integrated. Like in the 1960s, during my lifetime, uh, the SEC, the ACC did not have any black players, none. It was completely segregated and closed off. And oddly enough, the NCAA had no academic requirements for incoming athletes before uh, college basketball was integrated. None. And he started coming in after. And I don't think it takes a genius to figure out why. Uh, it was because, you know, they, there, was a, there was a feeling that the black athlete had to be limited. And, and people can deny that all they want, but that's where those restrictions came from. And John Thompson knew it, and he fought against it and got other coaches to, to do the same. And they were able to change that legislation. But, but I think you can look to a lot of these restrictions and say, hey, you know, it doesn't take a genius to figure out, you know, if you look at a timeline when these things came in, why they came in. Well said. A Naismith Memorial Hall of Famer inducted in 1999. So his spirit will live on in Springfield. Jay, really appreciate the perspective this morning. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, JB. Thank you. Jay Billis on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line brought to you by Shell V Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Real quick, real quick, Myron Medcalf, who covers college basketball for ESPN, tweeting just a few minutes ago to talk about how John Thompson, even in the last stages of his life, was there to fight the battle. This is from Myron's Twitter feed. I was told that Big John, which is affectionately known by, just two weeks ago jumped onto a phone call with black college basketball coaches and told them to seize the moment. 
the legendary coach was still fighting for change at the end. When it's in you, it's in you. When it's in your DNA, it's woven throughout. John Thompson has died at the age of 78. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Subin, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. If you thought we were going to ease into a Monday morning as Jay has been sort of echoing throughout the program, man, you never know what 2020 is going to throw at you. we got a couple of breaking news stories to discuss. One, one is much more of a sober and serious note, and that is the passing of Georgetown legend John Thompson Jr. at the age of 78, leading the Hoyas to the 1984 title, the first African-American man to win the men's basketball championship and all he did for race relations when it was probably the most uncomfortable time to do it. We're easily talking about it now. People are being more open. But as Jay Billis joined us just a few minutes ago, to have the stances that he did when he did really says something. Our thoughts and prayers to his family. He dies at the age of 78. He was old enough and he was able to see his son, JT3, as they call him affectionately, John Thompson III, eventually coach the Hoyas just like his old man. And Patrick Ewing, his best all-time player, is now the Hoyas head coach. Once again, our best to him. Another big breaking news story this morning, Key, is the Jacksonville Jaguars have released Leonard Fournette. They will play the Indianapolis Colts in week one of the season, and they will not have, arguably, their best player on offense there. So the question is, two weeks to go, plenty of teams have the opportunity to pick him up. He's been productive. He's been injured. He's clashed a little bit with their management. He's open. He's available. Who should be pouncing? You know, I... Who should be pouncing? I would say a team that stands out to me would be the Rams. The Rams. Okay. Uh, even though they drafted a guy in the um, New England. Mm-hmm. You know, New England's always looking for low-hanging fruit. Him and Cam could be different together. Um, that could be something backfield, huh? Yes, it could. You know, you always have a few other teams that are out there. You You look at... Seattle's had some running back problems and issues to stay healthy. They had to go get Marshawn Lynch last year. So <laughs> right. that's their style. Play defense, run the ball, keep keep it easy for Russell Wilson. Uh, he, he'll have suitors. There's no question about it. Uh, it's just a matter of whether or not he wants to play in certain towns and cities. I was asking you, what were some of the injuries that he had? I was drawing a blank on that for a second. He's had some lower leg injuries. Lower That's leg where it injuries. really hurt him. He's had some knee injuries. He also obviously has clashed with Tom Coughlin, who's the previous administration. Um, but he's a guy that's got wondrous talent. I and mean, you might remember during the college football season, you have to think back to his last year at LSU. 
He was at the time, and you know, the halfway Heisman key, he at the time was the runaway favorite for the Heisman. It was actually won by another SEC running back, Derrick Henry of Alabama, who's obviously gone on to do a couple of good things in the NFL too. But this guy was pegged for stardom from day one. Great personal story, New Orleans, recovering from Katrina, playing for the big state school, playing as well as he did. Ooh-wee. And we're watching some footage some of him burning. here on he ESPN News, which is him, impressing key. Um, but it's 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 odd to have a guy available of this ilk this close to the start of a season. Training camps are essentially over. Well, you think about the you think about the Jaguars organization as a whole. They haven't been the same since that second half of the New England Patriot AFC Championship game several years ago. Yep. Fourth pick in the 2017 draft. You can't get to a second contract with him. So that all that does to your organization is just set you back. It's the fourth pick. Fourth pick. Not the 294th pick, the fourth pick of the draft. Right. He didn't even get to his third year. I mean, like, seriously, so 17, 18, 19, his fourth year. 20, he, he couldn't get to his fourth year with the organization before they decided to cut bait. You said before, low-hanging fruit. This just seems like this is the type of player that Bill Belichick would just mm. pounce upon. Yeah, right? absolutely. System, fit in, try our system, play with Cam. I wouldn't be shocked. At all. I wouldn't be shocked at all. And, and obviously – Belichick has some relationships with with the coaching staff as well as Tom Coughlin, so I'm sure he could pick up the phone and find out exactly what that is. Two big breaking news stories. The passing of John Thompson, the releasing of Leonard Fournette. We'll talk about it next. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast.